Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Man, I know a lot of people feel this was crushed. As a fan favorite, we see the parts from Indianapolis. Um, welcome to another episode of the Saddle Up Show with Shad and Destin. And it's kind of on a somber note. You know, we lost a good one yesterday. Uh, Naheem Hines, for those of you that don't know, was traded to the Buffalo Bills for running back Zach Moss and a conditional six-round pick that has the potential to become a fifth. We don't know the details yet to this conditions. I'm sure we'll find out soon. It's probably at the time when they announced that Zach Moss passes his physical, they will announce the condition on which that draft pick can, t- can turn. Uh, but before we get to dissecting the trade, Destin, how are you doing, sir? Nine <laughs> Man. I mean, I don't know. I'll, I don't know if there's many better people that were in the locker room, the Naeem Hines, man. Like, like that dude was, like, special when it came to being a person from, like, the moment he got drafted. And he just never changed. Like, got the new contract. It was the same yeah. dude. Because yeah, sometimes you see people get the big money, and they change. You see it sometimes. Um, Naeem Hines wasn't that, man. Naeem Hines was just as authentic as it comes. Um, so it's always yeah. rough to see it is definitely worse when you just start to see that the environment that the Colts are in right now is just getting worse and worse. It feels like Um, we had the Naeem Hines trade get finalized fan favorite locker room guy gets traded away. We have the firing of Marcus Brady at offensive coordinator. We were not far removed from Matt Ryan being benched. I mean, what, what a time to be a Colts fan. Yeah, you just think about that that gif when the dog has the fire around him, you know, and and he tells you that he's fine, but really you know what the deal is and and what state that the organization is in, man. It, it's it's a, so big of a turnaround between now and what we were during the off season. I, I know you probably saw me quote tweet uh, Zach Kiefer's tweet from five months ago and Frank Reich's told everybody go get Naheem Hines for your fantasy teams. And I say, wow, look how f- look what five months can change. That man you know? lied. That man, that man, that man was tanking people he was playing against in fantasy. There's no other. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly the explanation. That league. That we're, we're, we're in that league with a few different Colts beat writers and Jake mm-hmm. Arthur is in it. And he took Naeem Hines high. I'm trying to remember how high it was right I think now. It was, it was four. Fourth or fifth, something fourth in that round. Yeah, it was hey, somewhere. Maybe, in that Jake, round. Jake will have to let us know once this episode comes out. But yeah. he took Naeem Hines high, so I, I bet he's feeling it right now. Maybe, maybe he's happy now though, <laughs> going to Buffalo. I mean, yeah, he'd be at Buffalo for playoff time during his playoff run. If if Jake uh, is lucky enough to make it to the playoffs, 
something I wanted to ask you, uh, how do you feel about the return that the Colts got on the Naheem Hines trade? Um, I mean, we, we had talked about it last episode a little bit. I know a lot of people weren't going to like it, but I expected the value to be around a fifth. Um, in the end of it, we'll find out what these con- conditions are. Uh, my guess is it's going to be something around playing time, something around maybe statistical um, conditions. So, like, we'll kind of see what that looks like. Because, I mean, Hines hasn't ever been somebody you've struggled a lot yeah. with when it comes to the like injury issues. So I'm assuming that's not the realm of things it's in, but who knows? I mean, my, my guess is statistical. So Moss and what could be a fifth, if he plays well in that high powered offense, I mean, that that's good. That's better than what I thought it would be technically. Um, it, Cause I, I thought it would just be a fifth personally. I don't know about you. Yeah. I, I was thinking, um, for, I was hoping for Ford, but expecting a fifth, you know, I tweeted that and, yeah, we got a fifth, man. Uh, well, we got the potential to get a fifth. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, so was there anything else about the trade deadline that you were maybe expecting or you thought might have a chance to happen? Um, I mean, I, I got word there were just multiple names that the Colts – I don't know if shopping is the word. The Colts mm-hmm. had a price on multiple guys. And the culture in the situation right now where teams across the league aren't stupid. Um, they saw Matt Ryan get benched. They see the record. They see how just how much this team is struggling on the field. Um, so teams were calling. Te- teams were calling about a lot of different vets. And I, I don't know if anyone's ever going to admit it, but they were listening on a lot of them. Um, there, there were multiple guys that they had a set a price tag on, and they were willing to part with multiple key guys if price ever came there. They weren't able to, they weren't willing to budge as it seemed. Um, and I mean, I would have liked to seen some of those deals get done. I, I think, I think there are some of those questions that we're going to get from the fans today. May talk a little bit about it, so I'll save it. But I just feel where this team's going, stockpiling picks was going to be the best option to go with. So mm-hmm. if you could have gotten picks for some of these vets that don't make any sense for the rebuild that I see that we're going towards at least. Um, and this yeah. may be a faster rebuild than some people think um, if they can get the right quarterback in, obviously, which is easier said than done. But yeah, I mean, the thing that I guess the thing that surprised me was by the amount of names that I heard, I thought the Colts would cave on a couple and just get a close value. Um, I think the biggest issue I had with the list I got was that some of the names and the price tags they had, I just didn't see happening, especially at the trade deadline. Um, because the NFL, it, it's not like other major professions where professional leagues, where the trade deadline, you can get more for a guy like yeah. guys, play, players values are way intensified in the off season, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, just like draft picks are, are, are valued more before you make the actual selection, you know, so it, it's just the way it is. And to make an in-season trade, a lot of players that you that you look at that, that starters for your team, uh, you, you're not going to get the value you think you're going to get back in some of these situations. Football is probably one of the, 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 the sport where you get the least amount on your return for a player in particular. You know, basketball players, we see that's a player's league. Like, 
you you get big returns when you trade top notch players. Football just doesn't work that way, you know. It's so many different schemes and so many different fits uh, within a team, and people prioritizing different team needs. It's just so different value everywhere. So Ballard, we know he likes his he likes his picks, but he also likes his players. Like he values his guys, his guys that he drafts, and he he puts high price tags on them. And, and the Naheem the Naheem Hines situation, I think, was just a standoff isolated situation. You know, you seen Holder come out early and say that Naheem was being floated, you know, pretty much taking calls on Naheem and who didn't mention anybody else. And, and it was a lot of people that was being shopped, but for Naheem Hines name to get mentioned, that lets you know, something was afoot. You know, if you're really paying attention, you can tell the writing was on the wall with this one. Zach Kiefer followed it up the next morning saying, saying, yeah, it's not a matter of, if it's it's when at this point is when he get traded, and my th- my thoughts is that that was probably a deal Ballard had on the table, but Ballard called around everywhere and tried to get a better deal, but just came back to that one. That w- that was why I think it was announced so late in the process because he knew okay I got this deal in the pocket. I'm gonna call around and see if I can beat. The- this deal with a situation that Naheem was probably comfortable with because he wanted to do right by him. And he just, he just ran out of time. You know, he just ran out of time and, and that's the deal he ended up taking, which I'm not as down on it as I was, but I'm just not a big Zach Moss guy. That's really what, what, what I was down on it about. But I will say Ma, I think Moss is going to be better at running between the tackles than Hines was. So when it comes to like that actual backup running back role, I could see if they can get the offensive line figured out because it, it it doesn't matter. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is looking average right now behind this offensive line, and he, he's yes. far from average. Um, like this isn't a situation where Jonathan Taylor is falling off. Like this is a whole situation that this offensive line is just doing so poorly by him. Um, but I, I, that that was the interesting part to me is as soon as Hines was the one that was announced when there were so many other guys that were also being shot again, shopped is a different is a weird word because shopped to me means that they were the ones initiating. Um, and Heinz was a different story. Like you said, I think multiple guys in the locker room are upset right now over the benching of Matt Ryan. I think multiple guys in the locker room took that move as waving the white flag because they like us are not idiots. Um, it doesn't matter what's said. It doesn't matter what's said in the pressers. Um, and I don't think that is a test a testament to these guys not liking Sam either. Like, I think Sam looked fine against Washington. We said that on the last show. Like, I don't think he did anything. I mean, the fumble was atrocious. Like he fumbled before he even got touched. Like that was atrocious. But I mean, other than that, like he looked poised. I think he looked good in the pocket that he was given at times. I think he made the right decision on most rollouts. And outside of some velocity issues, he played well. Um, so I don't think it's that guys think Sam sucks. I just think they know the writing's on the wall. You don't make a move to a guy with zero starting experience with a guy who you drafted late. And I mean, they, Michael Pittman made the comment before last game that he hadn't caught a pass from Ellinger in over a year. That's wild. Yeah, he did say that. I saw that on Twitter. I forgot who tweeted it out. I, I want to. It was either I thought it was Kiefer, but it, it may have been one of the Indy Star guys. <laughs> Um, but either way, like that, like that's crazy. Like this team knew what was going on when you bench Matt Ryan. You don't bench Matt Ryan for any other reason, in my opinion. 
So there's that situation going on. Multiple guys are going to be available. Like, so I guess that's the word I would use. The Colts had multiple players available for trade. And I think when teams called, they let people know like who was available, what they would need in return. And they just weren't willing to cave on anyone but Hines just because of contractually it made sense to get off Hines anyway. Um, Hines wanted to go somewhere and compete and wanted somewhere he could get used more. And the Colts, I mean, the Colts have to own up eventually. They, they, they just dropped the ball multiple places. They dropped the ball on Hines. And it's, it's no question. Yeah, at the end of the day, you know, you just got to cut your losses and just admit, you know, okay, we did this. We dropped the ball here. And now, you know, we got an answer for it pretty much. You know, that that's just the situation the Colts have put themselves in. So let's get to these questions because I believe the first question is, in fact, a trade-related question. Um, yes, our first question is from Dan Got the Plan. His at name is at ColtsDan25. Destin, what are you giving that name? Um, okay, read it one more time. I want to hear you say it again. The name is Dan Got the Plan, and his at name is Coach Dan Twenty Five. Dan's got a plan. Hey, I like Dan's got the plan. I know, I know the at, I know the user. Um, long, long time commenter, so really appreciate the support from Dan. Um, we know. I was just about did, to ask you, was this one of your bot accounts? No, no, no bot accounts over here. Um, just don't have time for it. My, my, my honestly, but uh, for Dan, the Twenty Five man. Uh, I, I'm maybe he's go, 25 years old maybe that's what, what that can be i'm i'm gonna go as just a six overall um because i'd like the rhyme if, if if you were able just to like get the dan's got a plan at going yeah. but uh yeah. maybe, maybe it was taken but I, I i'm gonna go just a solid six i almost went five and a half but that seems a little low so I, i'm gonna just go straight six oh uh, it sounds good the 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 dance got the plan and I'm giving you a little credit in your at name. The at because, the name is better than the at. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That so that's why I'm giving his at name a few points because I like the name. So I'm gonna go six as well. I think six six and a half seems kind of high. Six six is fine. I think six. So his question is, what one trade? you would have made at the deadline and why I have mine. So do you want me to go first or do you want to answer this? First? Um, I think I have a couple I could say, so I'll, you you can go first just in case I would steal the one you want. Um, I'm going to go Andre Diller. Uh, I'm not even going to make complicate this. Uh, I think he's a starting caliber tackle. We saw him start in spots out there in Philadelphia. He's serving as their swing tackle currently. Well, uh, I believe Malialis, is he out or is he back? Uh, I think he's back practicing now, but okay. he but he had missed practice. I think he missed last week. Yeah, Maliotta is probably a top ten tackle in the NFL for sure. Massive man. Yeah, really good player. I, I believe he's a rugby guy in the beginning. Real cool then, story. Then he converted over to uh, football. Tradition. Well, I can't say traditional football. That would that would be soccer, but um, American football. And he transferred over, and he's been a stud, man. Athletically, he's just physically gifted but Andre Dillard Andre Dillard I think is is a guy that soon as he gets his opportunity uh because he's going to eventually walk in free agency for a better opportunity he's going to get paid a lot of money he's a solid solid tackle he would instantly be the best tackle on this team or best left tackle on this team 
and the way Braden Smith's playing, maybe even right tackle on his team. But that that was an easy one for me. The compensation probably would cost us. <sighs> I'm thinking second, third ish for sure. A lot of a lot of people were talking about why the Colts didn't make a move to send like Hines for Dillard. Uh, <laughs> the compensation is not equal. <laughs> it would have cost Hines and a, a nice, nice draft pick. But that would be that's more of a buyer's move. You know, like if the Colts was buying on this season and Matt Ryan was playing well and we felt like it was a left tackle away before taking a step, then then that's an aggressive move you go out and make. But with the Colts position, uh, I, I don't think they was even pursuing any players. Uh, Zach Moss was just kind of a throw in type of thing. It, it's more about the pick. It's more about shedding salary. That's what the Colts was aiming to do at the deadline. So, Destin, what you got? What you got? Um, I'm not going to go what I wish they would have received, um, but I'm going to go that. I wish they would have traded some of these vets that I think don't fit the narrative. I said it a little bit earlier. I'll say specifically though. um, I think every day that goes by, I feel more and more that the team's going to let Bobby O'Karake walk. Mm -hmm. Um, I just don't think contractually they're going to do it. Not with how they've already paid Shaquille. Um, I think Bobby has played well, but then we saw this past week when Shaquille is being funneled back in. Bobby is who they're taking off the field. Um, and I think that tells me a little bit too about it. And if you put two and two together, if you're listening, um, <laughs> so I, I wonder if who they could have been shopping, but uh, Bobby getting some sort of compensation there, I think mm-hmm. would have made a lot of sense. I mean, we're not going in a direction where I think this team is going to be enticing to resign, even at the discount level that they're going to hope he does. And I think Bobby is just a hell of a player. Um, I think I think he's, I think he's I think starting he's to really get. Talented. I think he's getting love across the the league a little bit. You're seeing more and more national people tweet about Bobby. Um, there are multiple teams who's. Yeah, I think I believe I seen Benjamin Solak quote tweet you right. Talking, Said talk, he, he'll take Bobby Okereke. Talking about Bobby and th- and there's multiple that I think Bobby is just starting. He, he's got the talent and it, it would suck. And I understand that people would have been upset if you sold low on him, but. I, I think I would have gotten something for him because I just think every day that goes by, I think he's walking. What about tagging a, a linebacker? I mean, it's, the tag's not high for a linebacker. You would assume not. So it's the average of the top five. I think it's first 10, tag. right? Well, the first, 11. The, the first tag is the top. Oh, yeah. Maybe the it's, first tag's the top 10. Second tag's the top five. No, no. No, no the first tag's top five for sure. And okay, then. And then I think I just think the linebacker tag was ten or to eleven million this past season. Did Derek with, did, with did those, Shaquille yeah. shoot that up a little bit? Uh, you know Shaquille and Fred won a sign back to back, literally. So I don't so know how, what the, what the well, tag is. Is it just is it just off ball that gets considered there, or all linebackers? So if it, if the tag was ten, it has to be just off ball linebackers. It has well, I didn't know how specific they get because you know we have all these people that still want to call TJ Watt a linebacker. No, I think I think uh, edge edge rusher is its, its own, own thing, thing. Yeah, which is which is what it should be in the depth chart book too. But we don't have to get into that right now. On the all pro, yeah. Uh, so linebacker ew, tag is eighteen million. Yeah, see, there's just no way they justify that. Yeah, it's, it's unless definitely. unless they make the bold move 
of trading away Shaquille Leonard, and I don't think they'd do that either. I think Shaquille Leonard means way more vocally to this team than people realize, though. Um, and he's not playing at 100%. I understand that there's been a lot of those critics that have come out about his play, and I think it's been willing. Like It's been rightfully so said that he struggled um, on Sunday, even in his few snaps. But him being out there caused a turnover. Like I understand it was it was forced by Heineke, and it wasn't anything Shaquille did, but eventually it's not a coincidence that turnovers happen when he's on the field. My only thing is with, with trading, trading Shaq, even – at the deadline or at the end of the season, is you're not going to get adequate value for him just Roquan, based off the season he had. Roquan just went for a second and a fifth. And a fifth. Mm-hmm. During the offseason, you probably get a little more. Roquan's not signed. Shaquille is. So do you get a first for Shaquille Leonard? So it would be a really late first. Would you take a first for Shaquille Leonard? Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Am I a buyer or a seller? Am I, um, let, am let's I, say, am I let's drafting? Say th- am I drafting my future quarterback this year and starting over? Because if so, yes. If the goal is to draft, I think to me, I would say same regime, same front office, at least. So Ballard is still in his job. Ugh. You do not trade Shaquille Leonard, right? If yeah. it is a full new regime and they've hit the reset mark, I bet you could see that deal done. I, I would be I would be fine with it if it was done in that scenario. If if they just decide they want to just clean house, they don't want any holdovers from the last culture or the last regime. I'm I'm fine with it in that scenario. And you and they I mean, want them to get picks. your guy. Yeah, yeah. 
you gotta you, you have to move a guy like that in order to extract value those are the only type of guys that really move the needle in this league we know that so if you can get a first rounder for an off-ball linebacker while your team is hitting the reset button you absolutely take that oh for sure going on here to the next question unless you have anything else to say on it no i'm done i'm good okay um, we we went down some rabbit holes there. Um, we like, did. Like we do here on the Saddle Up show. <laughs> um, this one's coming from Dylan.C at three and four at three, four and one. Um, we're not rating names on here, so I won't give you too hard of a time. But, oh boy, am I going to give you a hard time on this at. At Dylan C zero seven three seven one seven five six. I absolutely have to give this a three. I have to give it a three only because if I wanted to write you, <laughs> I couldn't. There's no way I, I could remember. There's this no chance man. I'm finding this guy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, no. I can't do Dylan, it. I appreciate the question. For sure, for sure. And I am uh, sorry to do it to you, but I'm going to go two and a half. Uh, That's a lot of even, numbers. That is a lot of numbers. And I would love to hear the reasoning if you want to tweet us that and try to get a recovery arc. I also would be down for the next time you submitted a question for you to have a better ad and we can have a redemption story. Yeah. Uh, I guarantee yeah. you, you can find a better ad than this. But either way, his question, who is a good candidate to replace Marcus Brady for offensive coordinator after Reich is out this offseason? Hmm, this is a very, very good question. A difficult question to answer because for me to ask this, for me to answer this question and and hopefully you resubmit it after I tell you what I'm about to tell you, uh, I would need to know who the head coach is. Uh, The OC would solely depend on who the head coach is and without me knowing who's the head coach, I have no idea who what offensive coordinator would even be a candidate. Uh, Cause if it's a defensive minded head coach, then you're going to need an OC that's going to come in and completely run the offensive side of the ball, including calling all of the plays, play designs, different game script, different things like that. But if you have an offensive minded head coach, let's say uh, Sean McVay, then, you know, the offensive coordinator is, I don't want to say less important. Well, it is less important, obviously, but it's a different range of guys that I would consider that'll be in a pool to pick from, you know, right now, just having it so open, I just would need to know the head coach before I could give you uh, a person that I would like to be the OC. Rashad, what do you mean? Marcus Brady was the fault for this offense. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, man. I, as soon as I saw that, I just immediately found that gift that said the fall guys, like the fall guy. It, it was just perfect because it's fall weather outside. And. Oh, you weren't talking about the PlayStation game fall guys. Hey, do you know I have that game? I can show it to you. I have that game. I, I play go. it. I play it on my Xbox. I do sometimes too. Oh, really? Got the my, link wife, up. My, it's, my wife, my wife thinks it's fun. 
My wife is trash at that game. She loves to play it though. She but she's she's the OD trash. Me and my wife play it play it all the time. Oh, we gotta do some two v two. We gotta do some two v two. Oh, get, about get that. My wife in it, your wife in it. We'll we'll have a little fun with it. But uh, look at us. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> the this is now a Fall Guys pod, podcast. Uh, Absolutely. But I'm um, sponsored by Marcus Brady. But <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. If you had to put a large bet right now, is Frank Reich fired after this season? Uh. Like do what, you, a percentage? Uh, like do I, I just uh, you could go percentage. Like I, I because it, it's tough. Before Marcus Brady was fired, I was reluctantly believing that Reich was going to be back. I think the Marcus Brady firing, as much as it's it screams scapegoat, just it is frustrating and it adds to the just dysfunction that's going on. I think the firing of Marcus Brady to me, that's telling me Reich. And they're not replacing him. We, we found that out today. Frank Reich's going to resume those responsibilities, and they may delegate some other things to some guys. Maybe Scotty Montgomery, the running backs coach, who's an up-and-comer, gets some responsibility. But to me, that tells me, Frank, this is now your offense. There's no excuse who this default. There's not a 37-year-old 37 quarter, 37 quarterback in the backfield to blame. There's not an offensive coordinator to throw blame on. I'm not saying Matt, that Frank Reich is throwing blame. I'm just saying this to me now shouts there is no one else to blame at the end of the year for the offense but Frank Reich. In, in the words of Usher, watch this. He's going to fire Strasser. <laughs> Strasser is going to be the fall guy next. Strasser, I hey, hope you're ready. He, he you're spoke out good. real positive in Strasser today, so that, that, that would be some – which let me know that Frank is absolutely delusional. As <laughs> I was about to say, as, but uh, Frank Wright, man, I, I'm telling you, the rights on the wall, man. And I was the biggest right guy, bro. Look, don't let don't let this speak right We're, now fool you. I, me I and Destin have been pretty pro right up until this season. Uh, I think you know a lot of people, and I see people make comments about this on Twitter. Let me take it. Let me take time to make a comment where somebody left a comment at. I know people feel like on Twitter, you're not allowed to change your mind about things. That's this world you live in. You know, if you say something in January 6, 2022, especially in sports, sports move a thousand miles an hour. Things change by the day. Yes. I was a big pro right guy for the first four years, five years. This is and fifth year, I believe. Coach, coaching jobs are very situational based. Yeah. I, I still think Frank Wright can be a solid head coach for a successfully built team. Like if you dropped Frank Reich in Buffalo, that offense is zooming. Like, like I think it's humming as well. Oh yeah. Like, like, like to me, it's just Frank Reich is not the coach to have when any adversity is coming. And right. I think we're, I think we're just starting to see that when the team is not successful, Frank Reich doesn't have the ability to keep the locker room like you need him to. So that's, that's the biggest reason I'm out. And the Marcus Brady firing kind of solidifies it to me. I think unless Sam Ellinger plays savior ball, pl- plays backup Frank Reich vibes that Frank, Frank Reich's gone. Offensive coordinator wise, it just all depends. I mean, if they go a defensive minded head coach, it'll be a guy who has some sort of play calling experience or comes from a tree where uh, I, I like Raheem Morris. I like that Raheem Morris. <laughs> um, and if you heard the whisper, I don't know if it came through on the mic to everybody else, but from Rashad, but Raheem Morris, he was a coordinator for Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Rams. I like that he has experience on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. So like he, in a way, 
could make sure both sides is prepared. And he's a guy who he, you're going to be prepared for Raheem Morris. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the Rams have been a struggle. Don't get me wrong. But the defense starts out those games tough. It's just the offense is so bad. Uh, we can relate. But if they went on Raheem Morris route, then the offensive coordinator matters a whole lot because you're going to have a young quarterback and you're going to have to get somebody that's going to make that work. Now, the problem with that is if you do get the quarterback right, then you're going to be on an offensive coordinator carousel. Mm. And that's when the big issue arises. So to me, and and I hate to say this because I think there's so many defensive head coaches that deserve head coaching jobs. I just think they as well need to be in solidified offenses and solidified quarterbacks already. Yeah. It's a little safer. When you go the the young quarterback route, the quarter, like you just need that offensive mind to be the one that's like a staple and you're not losing your head coach every year, obviously. Mm -hmm. Whereas your offensive coordinator is going to be rough. I mean, that's the thing with the bears. It's scary. Like if they get fields working and fields has looked good the last two weeks, he has struggled mightily this year. The last Mm -hmm. two weeks, he's looked like a good quarterback. Um, If if that field shows up the rest of the year, eventually that offensive coordinator, he's going to get poached. That's just how the NFL works. And there's going to keep resetting that carousel. Yep. So, I mean, to me, and I will also give out an example. If Frank Reich stays, the offensive coordinator just needs to be somebody who challenges Frank. Because we yeah. saw with Sirianni, a fiery personality, that opposite of Frank, that there was just more changes being made during game. There was more back and forth. That, that to me, made Frank Reich better. Whereas Marcus Brady was a was a chiller personality, didn't really push back. Um, I'm not going to try to say he was a yes man or a bad coach, but you never heard Marcus Brady go in depth too much in pressers where he would share where the where the bad play was coming from. Sirianni was always outspoken. It was one of the biggest thing I said when he went to Philly was I think they're going to love this guy because he is so candid. Like in every presser he, we ever got to hear from him, like Sirianni was, he just kept it a hundred at all times, even yeah. if he was being a goofball, like he's yeah. just uh, himself. And that's what changed my, and what changed really changed my stance on Sirianni and changed my opinion of him <clears throat> was, you know, he took a lot of Frank, principles schematically over to Philly when he first got there and Philly struggled out of the gate. They went into their bye week and he came out and decided, you know what? We have the best offensive line in football. Let's just run the ball. And he came out with a varied run game and it has been dominant ever since they played to Jalen Hurst's strength, obviously. And they've been rolling ever since, man, they was the number one rush team in the NFL last season and this year they just built on that when they added a little more talent you know going out and get AJ Brown and Devontae Smith another year in your system Dallas got it top of the top of his class at at his position you know everything centered around that offensive line you got a center like Jason Kelsey probably the best center in the NFL and then you just build everything around those guys. And that's what Sirianni did. I mean, for you to pivot in the middle of the season and become a totally different team with a totally different identity, you know how hard that is to do. There's teams that can't do that with a full offseason. And he was able to do it in a bye week. That speaks volumes to him. That speaks volume to coaching staff and the way the players are buying into to what he got going, man. I, I, big ups to Sirianni for just being able to do that. And he definitely earned my respect. Oh, 100%. I mean, Philadelphia 
just looks like a well-coached team. I mean, you can tell when there's a good roster and they're being poorly coached. Like you, you could tell. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not trying to throw anybody on the bus. I like Staley. I like Brandon Staley in Los Angeles, but you can just tell that that is a talented roster that is being poorly coached at times. And I think he tries to be like the too smart for your own good approach. And I just think he kind of just gets in his own way. And I just think Sirianni is a, is not just because the Eagles are good. Like he is a good head coach and the Colts miss his personality in that offensive coordinator role with Frank Reich more than I think any of us would have imagined. Yeah. And speaking of good coaches, man, we got to, we're going to see a good coach this weekend, man. Probably arguably the GOAT to some people. You know, uh, I don't know where he is on your list, but I hate him. And my hate for him runs <laughs> I don't, deep. I don't know where you have him on your successful list, but he's top of my ha- I hate list. Yeah, for sure. 1,000%. But Bill Belichick, man, uh, I have a tremendous amount of respect for him, though, as a, as a coach. You know, the, the way he revolutionized just playing defense and what he does defensively. Uh, one of the top five defensive minds, uh, arguably ever in NFL history. Uh, Bill Belichick, the Colts have to play the Patriots this weekend. Uh, this is a big game. Uh, it's not quite the same rivalry that it used to be. The Colts won last year in dramatic fashion with Jonathan Taylor, a walk-off touchdown run. I don't know about this one, man. Uh, seeing Bill Belichick going up against a quarterback making his second start of his career, a six-round pick, this just seems like doomsday is coming for Sam Ellinger in this Indianapolis offense. But I'm curious to know, what do you think about the matchup? Destiny? Yeah, I mean, the – the Patriots have struggled this year. Um, they are on a quarterback coin flip at this point. They go back and forth mid-game even, we've seen, um, between Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. Um, we're going to – the coaching battle, um, Bill is going to be the better coach in this game. I think that's fair to say. Um, I, I think, don't know, man. <laughs> I, I think the Patriots have the better offense. I think the Patriots – don't have the better defense, but I think in comparison of their defense going against our offense is going to look have, like the better unit on they Sunday. They have the better coach defense. Yes, and like that's just going to be the biggest issue out there. I mean, if you're a betting man, you should bet the over on whatever Matthew Judon's stat lines are for this, for this week because he is going to have whatever he wants come Sunday. You're that confident in Matthew Judon? I mean, we saw what he did last year, though. I, I am so. that confident that every team's best pass rusher can have whatever they want right now when they play Indianapolis. QTIs, whatever you like. Uh, no, right it's, here. it's whatever. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's Subway, you know? It's, it's, it's have it your way. Damn. Well, I'm looking forward to this game, though. Uh, I, I wrote a piece um, about Jacoby Myers, my behind the enemy lines series. That's it, it struck again last week with, with Terry, Mc, Terry McLaurin, although that one kind of wrote itself. Uh, you know, a hometown kid, superstar wide receiver coming back to his to his hometown. It kind of wrote itself. Uh, I wrote about Jacoby Myers. I could have easily wrote about Matthew Judon, as I was telling someone on Twitter. That was just too easy for me 
to go. That was just like the front door answer, writing about Junon because he's so talented and I think he could really have his way with either tackle. Something I wouldn't have said, you know, a, a year or two ago, but Braden Smith, I, I've lost all confidence in him returning to the status where he was. Now I'm just hoping he can get back to being an average starter, you know, which is sad to say because of the amount of money that he's making. But at, at this point, you know, you just have to get something out, out of him right now. The offensive line wasn't as bad in the last game, so that was encouraging. That was one of their better games this year. I don't know if that's saying a lot, saying that that was one of their better games, but but indeed it was. Um, if you had to pick a matchup, Destin, what – I mean, besides <laughs> – I guess besides Judon, uh, what matchup would you go with as being the most vital – to, for the Colts' success this coming Sunday? I mean, until our offense proves that they can cons- consistently score points, like, the sad part of it is, like, the defense is going to just have to hold the opposing offense. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we saw this past week that 17 points is is, is too many for, for, for this offense to play with right now. And that was... And that was a below average offense. So like that that that's like where my concern comes in. I mean, it's gonna be all about if this defense can neutralize the Patriots. Mac Jones struggled against the Colts last year. This is a new scheme. Um, this is different players are around. Um, this is a different um Sh- Leonard. Last year it was Darius, this year it's Shaquille. Um, give me the drum, boom, boom, boom. Uh, yeah, we gotta add that. We need a soundboard up here. But uh, so I mean, it's it's a different matchup, different coaching scheme, different scheme. Um, but it's mm. it's gonna be all about the defense versus the Patriots offense. Um, I agree. I, I want to say that the number is seventeen. You got to hold them under seventeen, but you just never know. I, Bill Belichick does so well against young quarterbacks it's 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 actually a remarkable stat he schemes up things so well to confuse them i mean sam in his presser today kind of in his media availability kind of talked about it like he knows that it's hard to plan for new england because they throw so many things at you to confuse you um so that that, this game is going to be won in if our defense can go out and just ball out and that's going to be the rest of the year yeah, I saw they say that Sam uh, sat down with Stephon Gilmore for an extended period of time to kind of get a feel for what Belichick likes to do. Uh, I thought that was very smart. Um, probably something that most quarterbacks do, try to get into the mind of a guy that has actually played there. And, and Belichick knows that, that Gilmore is going to give him some tidbits, and, and he's going he's gonna to adjust for that. Hopefully, this, this is a tremendous opportunity, though, for Sam to prove himself, for Sam to prove he belongs he kind of got thrown out there in the middle, out, out out the blue, pretty much. And he looked pretty solid in his first start. Now that I've gone back and watched the second half of the game, uh, he looked pretty solid to me. He didn't look like the moment was too big. So that, that was really what I appreciated most from him. But he's going to get some of the most varied looks that he's ever going to see in the NFL. And I think it's a good learning situation for him. You know, hopefully he he's as ready as you can be for it. But I'm not expecting much. I'm honestly expecting uh, this to be a very, very low-scoring game. Um, but before we get into the, the score of what I think, we're going to get into the prediction from Destin. What's the score, who wins, and why? Rashad always makes me go first on the worst subjects, I swear. <laughs> um, 
I, I'm going to go – we're going to Foxborough. We have a mm-hmm. young quarterback. I don't trust this offense as far as I could throw him. Or as far I, as Ellinger could throw it. Pretty, wow. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> um, that, that's a good one. That's a, that's a good one. Okay. Um, another drum insert the drum beat, but uh, I know I'm getting I'm getting the soundboard. Yeah, we, we got to. It's next, but uh, I'm gonna go New England wins, and I'm gonna go twenty three mm-hmm. to seventeen. I'm not mad at that. It's about forty points. That's forty points on the nose, exactly. So yeah, I think the over under probably come in around thirty nine forty, more than likely for this game. So you have it right there. 23-17, Patriots win. Uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go 20... 20 to seven, 17. I'm going to go 20-17, uh, Patriots. I think the defense just just dominates this game. You know, uh, I think both teams struggle on offense. I think the Patriots just do a a little more. I wouldn't be surprised if if Mac Jones even got pulled in this game and Bailey Zapp came, came in, who's probably who's looked like the better option this year. I say who probably. who has more passing yards um, in this week between the three quarterbacks? Ellinger, on, Ellinger only because because one's getting pulled. Because yeah, because they're going to split time. I, I I think I think Mac Jones get gets pulled at some point. That's my bold prediction. He gets pulled in this game, and Belly Zappy leads them to a victory. Um, I don't even know who. I, I mean, I'd probably. I'm gonna say Mac Jones. I'm gonna say Mac Jones still leads the day passing. Okay. Um, I I just really think Bill Belichick is a master when it comes to neutralizing young quarterbacks, and it's gonna go all in the run game, which. Speaking of, if you did not see my piece from today, mm. auditing the Colts team needs, I dove in to the team's run game, which is one of, if not the biggest disappointment of this roster this year. Mm. And there's a long list of disappointments to go down, guys. Um, I went into the run game. I dove into the trade of Naeem Hines and just a lot of the situational things that are adding to this run game not being successful. Um, so make sure you tune into that um, over at the Stampede Blue, always where you can find our work as you're listening to the Stampede Blue Podcast Network right now. That was an awesome, elite. awesome. That was elite that setup was right chef, there. Chef kiss. You know what's not elite? And this is completely off topic. But I'm watching it's the Boston elite. Celtics-Cleveland Cavs game from when you guys are listening the night before. And these uh, walk-out-the-tunnel interviews that the NBA is doing this year – are garbage just i haven't seen one yet i haven't seen one of them yet Rashad, whenever you do because it, it's every single espn game does it now um they do it's usually the mid game and they'll, it's a bring back that they recorded it earlier but the, the interviewer walks with a player slash coach in the tunnel to the stadium and it's just a walking interview and it's just garbage that sounds that sounds awful actually let me tell you something. That's, that sounds awful. So what's not awful is the Saddle Up show, and we will be back next week recapping the Patriots game, uh, hopefully. Well, that's, let me ask you before you go, do, do you want to win on Sunday? Honestly, Tom. 
Um, I am pretty team tank at this point, okay. but I always want to beat the Patriots, man. Like if I had to beat anyone on the left over the schedule, it, I want to beat New England more than anyone else. Yeah. Uh, so come su- come Sunday when we watch, I will be rooting for the Colts to win, even though I think we lose. Take the exact same stance on that. Uh, so we will see you guys next week. Thank you for tuning into the Saddle Up Show with Shy and Destin. We will see y'all next week. Peace. <laughs>